0: Hello and welcome to this episode of the Event Manager podcast by Skiff Meetings, the podcast for curious event professionals embracing the future of business events. My name is Miguel Nevesh and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Skiff Meetings. In this episode, titled The Evolution of Wellbeing in Events, I have the pleasure of speaking with Rachel Riggs, Wellbeing Leader at Maritz Global Events. Our conversation revolves around well-being and sustainability for events. We talk about things like the difference between well-being and wellness, the long-term benefits of incorporating well-being at events, what it means to design an event with wellness as a core design principle, what prevented the event industry from connecting with well-being until now, and how sustainability goals impact events. I hope you enjoy listening to this conversation, and I invite you to check out the other episodes of the podcast, which you can find on our website or by subscribing via your favorite podcast service. Now for a word from our sponsors, PHL Life Sciences, a division of the Philadelphia Convention and Visitors Bureau. Hello, and welcome to the Event Manager Podcast by Skift Meetings. Today, I am delighted to be joined by Rachel Riggs, Wellbeing Leader at Merit's Global Events. Rachel, welcome to the podcast.
1: Thanks, Miguel. Happy to be here.
0: So, Rachel, we've known each other for for a little while, um, mainly through the pandemic, although we did get a chance to meet in person recently, which is always, always a novelty or still a novelty for most people. Um, but I'd love to uh, just talk a little bit about you, who you are, your journey to kind of getting here and, and start wherever you want to start. But I'd love to get a sense of, you know, when you first kind of encountered the event industry and then. How did you how did you get into this role of well being leader, which I think is a fascinating role, and I think we'll we'll cover that a little bit more later on.
1: Sure, thanks, Miguel. I um, my journey has been a lifelong journey. So I actually uh, went to Indiana University and studied kinesiology and exercise physiology, and wanted to be a corporate fitness professional. My job, was, dream job, was being a corporate fitness professional in the um, Apple corporate fitness. Center in Cupertino, California back in the day. And so I really, really wanted to run a corporate fitness center. And then I went to work for the Association for Fitness and Business. And that was all of the people that did exactly that. And I fell in love with meetings and events there. and did that for quite a few years after, after I graduated. I was actually an intern there and just started really getting my feet wet in the events industry. And then I um, went to work on the uh, launch team of the uh, pharmaceutical drug Ambien and did sleep wellness programs all around the world, but then really missed um, the events industry and went to work for Smith Buckland up in Chicago. And all along, I really wanted to have my two professional loves together come together, which were wellness and events. But it was the timing was never right. And so I did a lot of different events in the tech world in the nineties, Oracle open world. I did a bunch of different events for Sterling commerce and Sterling software and met people like Margaret Thatcher, and Colin Powell. And it was super fun, but back in the back of my head I was like, this is just not exactly what I wanna do but it was fun at the time. And then um, I went on the supplier side for um, a, several years. I worked for the city of New York, Vancouver, and I, I really, Vancouver hit home for me because it's really about, I identify with the city very much in terms of the lifestyle, the product that was being sold, but just really the way people live in Vancouver. And and so, but throughout this whole journey, I never really, I, I always thought that the two industries could come together and the timing was never right. And when I was at PCMA in 2018, I um, was noticing the behaviors of the older generation, and the younger generation of meeting attendees. And they were really quite different. The older generation, which I'm on the cusp of that, um, was really going out from seven to seven, staying out late, repeat, rinse and repeat for days on end. And then um, the younger generation, I noticed they wanted to get their workouts in, they wanted to eat well, they still have balanced their work as well as home. And so I approached David Peck and Paul and Greg Boat and said, because I've known them for years in the industry and said, I think it's time because they always kind of knew what I was thinking. And so they lent me the research team at Merit's and said, let's study it. We totally understand the, um, the thinking, but let's, let's study it. And so this was 2018. So As a uh, independent consultant, I ran three research studies for them, two internal and one external. I went in front of the customer advisory board to validate the thinking and it was fabulous because it really did um, give us some tweaks that were just perfect. And then, um, so then I did pilot testing all around North America. We had 15 pilot tests, 15, 20 pilot tests to um, actually see what those, theories and validate those theories and how they show up in a live event. And then, so they hired me on December 24th, 2019. And I gave, I was at Vancouver, uh, Tours in Vancouver for 16 years. So I really wanted to give a long notice because that's what I wanted to do. And so I started at Merits on March 2nd of 2020. And so as you can imagine, the whole thinking was kind of put on pause. It was not It wasn't put on pause, but it wasn't a design principle that we were leading with because we were just figuring out what was next. And so then I was furloughed in May of 2020. And um, then I worked on the EIC's Business Recovery Task Force during the summer, as well as I was a PCMA chapter president. And um, so it gave me time to kind of focus on those two projects. But then when the merits called me back, uh, in the fall of 20, uh, they said we're all in and let's you know, come back, let's really look at this as a design principle and really look at how we design our events based on the uh, health and well-being of the guests with the, at the heart of the experience. So it was really uh, it's a lifelong journey. That's a long-winded question for your answer <laughs> your answer for your question. Well,
0: <laughs> we've got a lot of context now, which I think is really important for anybody listening to the podcast. I actually have three follow up questions that I'd like you to expand on a little bit. Sure. You mentioned at one point that the event industry was never really ready to connect with well being. Sure. Um, and you kind of alluded to some sort of demographic um, kind of preference in some sense. Why, why do you think that is? Why do you think we may be ready now? Or, or do you feel like we're ready now? What do you think flipped that switch?
1: Well, I think COVID flipped the switch to answer the last part of the question first. Um, I think COVID really um, awoke our industry to seeing how we design differently and how we accommodate people differently. I think we were never ready because I believe that we were just going so fast-paced as an industry, as a society. I can tell you I was in the tech world during... Oracle Open World, HP Developers Conference, and the last thing people wanted to worry about is their own personal well-being, when those, you know, not just those events, they're totally changed now, because I know Oracle Open World does amazing things in terms of personal well-being, but back in that time, it was the dot-com, it was the, you know, 90s, it was not, they were not there yet, and then when 9-11 happened, people were getting ready, but they weren't quite ready yet and then it was just getting back into um business again and then you know 2008 happened and we we had to get back into business again so it was it there's been some lips in the industry as well as just society that have held us back a little bit but I think the pandemic is a silver lining for our industry and well-being that it has really made us stop and think a little bit more
0: Really interesting. I wonder if and we talk a lot about the hybrid workforce, and yes. you know, working from home. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about it as a as a strategic thing as as a preference as a hey, I, I get to be home with my kids. But if you think about it in the greater through the greater lens of well being, is it just the natural evolution of actually, it's better for my well being? If I don't have an hour commute each way or worse, if I don't travel all the time and if I don't go to an office and have to leave my kids early, et cetera, um, it, it feels like a sort of natural evolution of, hey, we tried this, we like this, it, you know, respect my well-being or I'd prefer to respect my well-being if I can. Right,
1: right exactly. And that explains the great resignation, in, in my opinion. And um, people are making choices. Before, we didn't have the choice. If you work downtown, you had to drive downtown, right? And you just you made those sacrifices. But we have, through the COVID pandemic, have seen that there are alternative ways of doing things. And it's, it's disrupted, in my opinion, in a good way, right? Um, I, I, when I went to work for Toys in Vancouver, I, I've always worked from home since uh, I worked at smith Buckland. And um, and my big thing was I wanted to be home with my kids. I'll go on the road for you, but I, I, I don't wanna office out of anywhere because I wanna be able to juggle that balance. And it worked really well for me personally. And I knew I wasn't alone. I knew that there were a lot of the people that did what I did for other cities. They were all working moms and they meet that balance. Husbands are working, they're working, they're traveling. Uh, that work from home experience was important to us. And so it really developed a culture before the pandemic in in a lot of the people that I was interacting with. And, um, you know, I I was, when I was interviewing for Vancouver, there was a few other jobs that I was interviewing for and they weren't work from home. And I was like, no. So I think that um, a lot of, what we're seeing now is, a be- is based on the pandemic, which I don't think is a bad thing.
0: Definitely a silver lining there, or a potential silver lining for those who are able to take advantage of that. Yes. Um, you mentioned a couple of things that I also wanted to, uh, to kind of uh, go a little bit deeper into. You mentioned that there were some tweaks that came out of the research. You did some research internally and externally, and then there was mm-hmm. a tweaks that you made to the project. And I'm really curious what those tweaks were and why they were so important. You know, were they something that you were expecting to see in one direction, and it was actually going in a different direction.
1: It was very fascinating, Miguel. Um, so I came in, and I'm a big person when it comes to um, frameworks and 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 positioning things in a in a framework, so people can think about it different or in a in a context where they can understand it. And so we had the eight dimensions of well being, which is a you know the, the National Wellness Institute. They also have the a These dimensions, and so I came in with the eight dimensions of well being which are physical mental intellectual spiritual social career financial um, environmental and. um, I think I said one twice anyway there's a lot to remember there, and um, so I presented that to our customer advisory board and they were like that's too many and then. So I was like, okay, let's think about this. And then we started introducing it to some customers. And the words mental and spiritual stopped them, especially in the corporate world, because they were like, "Mm, we don't want to talk about back then mental health, and we don't want to talk about spiritual health. And so I changed it from eight dimensions of well-being to five dimensions of well-being because of that thinking that there are some topics that people don't really want to bring up in the business world. Now, we have five dimensions of well-being. We wrote an e-book on it, and it's personal well-being, social well-being, career well-being, financial well-being, environmental well-being. And that personal well-being includes, you know, if you think about your own personal health, you think about your mental health, you think about, and that is so important. And You know, that's the other thing with the pandemic that I think has been really, really helpful is people focusing on their mental health and um, intellectual health is an important aspect as well as spiritual health. It doesn't mean that it's a religious thing. It's just a belief in in a purpose. And, and, And so people were looking at that a little bit differently than what it was intended. And then once we refined it, it was very well received.
0: Great. So I mean, that makes a lot of sense because you 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 kind of took the objections to something and you were still able to move it forward without, uh, you know, you kind of combined uh, some of those some of those objections or some of those um, themes into into others. That makes a lot of sense. I did have another point that I wanted to pick on from from what you spoke about earlier, which was design mm-hmm. principle. And I'm quite familiar with the uh, merits design principles, mm-hmm. but could you just unpack that to make sure that everybody understands? Uh, what, what, sure. what how that works, and maybe explain what the other design principles are, so that they understand how wellness fits into that.
1: Sure. Well, from my perspective, is um, in our world we design with intention, right, and in purpose, and this really puts that design um, purpose and focus on the human, and really designing with the human. At the heart of the experience so really looking at their needs and understanding their needs so that for example if they're traveling uh, you know first time out traveling if it's a group that hasn't met yet looking at what they need in terms of health safety time to relax time to connect with home um, not getting up at the crack of dawn to go to a networking breakfast giving them time to work out so I call it a design principle because it's a really intentional, purposeful, excuse me, um, purposeful way of thinking when you're designing the events. And so it's kind of the add-on to our other design principles, which are really, um, you know, seeking to understand what the guests want. And, but it's really kind of layering it on that, um, that those additional, excuse me, those design principles because it's really making the person and the human at the center, so that they perform at their peak.
0: Okay, great. I think it's really good to have that in full, or just have a you know go a little bit deeper into that mm-hmm. to make sure everybody understands that. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, you've 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 worked in, in all sorts of parts of the industry, and uh, you know, represented destinations. You've you've worked with events. You've done lots of different things. How do you explain to People that you know, maybe your family and friends, what you do, if, if they're not connected to the industry.
1: It's a very good question and one I struggled with my whole career. And but we're getting better at it because people understand the power of events with COVID too. So um, you know, one of the my biggest heroes is my dad, and um, he passed away a couple of years ago. But he was always like, "I still don't get what you do, honey." And um, what I what I would always tell him is, I try to bring people together and um, connect them in through various different activations and experiences. And um, in, in speaking with him, he always understood um, experiences and leaving memorable um, impressions in people's life. He was a sales guy at heart. And so he understood that. And he understood how, um, you know, when you create amazing experiences, people have memorable moments in their lifetime memories. And so that has been one of my barometers. The other barometer has been my two children, my girls, Bella and Gabby. And, you know, all they knew was mommy traveled a lot. <laughs> and now they're 19 and 20 and Isabella is actually going to go into the hospitality industry. So she sees the passion that I have for the industry. She sees the um, commitment and she wants to have that kind of um, excitement in her career. She's not a desk person, and by any stretch of the imagination, she's like, I see the kind of fun and the great relationships you've built, and and they're lifelong friends, and she just, she loves that, and um, I'm doing a lot of work in the sustainability world now within merits. and she's very passionate about that, and she's like, I never would have thought the events industry would allow somebody to get into sustainability, so it's really kind of seeing that evolution of, of new professionals come around because they're seeing that they can touch some pretty significant issues in, in the business world and, and, and do it at a different slant in the business world too. So it's exciting.
0: Excellent. So I think it would be a really good time to talk a little bit about your particular role. So you've talked a little bit about your journey. Can you tell us what being a well-being leader means you know i think i guess both internally and externally if you have um several Mm -hmm. different kind of facing uh parts of your role
1: sure well when i went to work for merits they said what do you want your title to be and i said well i think well-being leader sounds good so i kind of made it up (laughs) and um but they, they we didn't you know and that's what you see in some corporations my job is really in the design studio so we have merits global events we have the corporate Um, clients that we work with in the association, trade show, and live events clients. And the design studio is our boutique agency within the corporation that works with both of those those markets. And so I sit in the design studio. And so we are called upon from all of our clientele to help them design their events. So that's my first job is working with clients to design their events around well-being. So I've done everything from corporate uh, virtual conference and running a well-being challenge to designing a corporate um, well-being retreat for certain executives to doing uh, a well-being design for a large trade show so that people have Space to go to chill out once they're having a break in the um, in the show. So and then and and then the other side of things, I've worked with associations to evolve their staff well-being as well as their attendee well-being. So it's kind of a mixed bag, Miguel. It's depending on what people are are looking at. Um, and meeting, and one of the other things that we did is we created a well-being network. And so I have a network of suppliers that I've known from the the wellness side of things. And there's a whole different argument on wellness versus well-being. But um, so I've I've well, let's
0: let's let's unpack that. (laughs) Well-being, wellness. What's what's the difference, or or what's the argument? Let's say, and and then maybe you can unpack that for us.
1: Sure. We chose the word well-being because well-being is a state of mind. It is a state of being, whereas wellness is an activity in our minds. So like you can go out and do a run. That's an activity. That's a personal wellness activity. But the five dimensions, when those five dimensions of well-being are generally moving balanced, moving forward, it's like a ball rolling, right? A person is moving forward. If there is one of those five dimensions that's not that not not working properly, that it might cause it to bump along a little. An example would be, say, somebody's not doing well financially, but they're great personally, professionally, and they have uh, all the the future. But if they have some financial issues, it's going to cause stress. It's going to cause worry, and and so. We're working on a program right now on, on financial well being. So it's really about a state of mind. And quite honestly, there are some countries out there now that are looking at the well being index of their um, population versus the GDP. And really, they want to, there's a great TED talk on it about how countries need to look at the well being index of their population to make sure that the, the, the population is happy and healthy. And so I'm fascinated by that. I think that it might be really something for the future in terms of how governments look at their, their population. But really the, the bottom line, Miguel, is well-being is a, is a state. It's not, um, it's, it's just a way of being, if you will.
0: Yeah, no, the secrets of the word, right? Well-being, so a way of <laughs> being. I think that, that that's, yep. that's a simple way to think about it. So, you know, fascinating role, um, all sorts of activations, activities, both internal, external, you know, clients. Um, I, I'd love to talk a little bit about how it works in practice and what kind of long term impacts can you measure or can you kind of track in some sense? I I understand, you know, you did the IMX uh, well-being challenge or sustainability challenge, I believe. Uh, uh, yeah, yes. yeah. And that was tracking kind of physical activity and different things you're we doing throughout the day. And, and feel free to you know kind of expand on that a little bit. But I'd love to kind of see, you know, you're inspiring people at an events to be more physically active, to do things that are better for them, you know, that are, that are better mm-hmm. for their well-being. Um, does that really have an impact in the long term? And, and how do you assess that in some way?
1: Sure. That's a really good question. And for IMAX America, we did a well-being challenge. And, you know, our partner, Hecca Health, has done some amazing, we've done a lot of work with MPI, PCMA, IMAX, a lot of industry organizations. We just did an MPI uh, well-being challenge that all everybody who entered into the challenge, took a $5 donation and it went to the MPI Foundation for the betterment of the industry's future. For IMAX Frankfurt, we did a sustainability challenge and I wanted to do a challenge that I obviously with nature as their um, moniker for sustainability with IMAX and what Karina and her team are doing. I wanted to take a twist and showcase the sustainable efforts that um, IMAX is doing to enhance the show. One of the things, like I said, environmental well-being is one of my five dimensions. And we have designed products around those that um, environmental well-being. And one of them is measuring the carbon footprint of an event, which has been hugely accepted. And lots of people are coming to us to help them do that because people don't know how to do it. And so um, I wanted to um, and that's a topic that keeps coming up, as you know. And so I wanted to showcase at an industry event how people can see what people are doing in their trade show booth, what the show organizers are doing in terms of their sustainable practices. So we we took that one dimension of the five dimensions and uh, expanded it. So we did everything from... Um, showcasing what the Messy is doing with a, then they did a um, uh, sustainable walking tour of the facility. Uh, the Frankfurt DMO gave us some uh, things that they are doing and they gave us prizes. So it was really kind of cool. So they could engage after they explained their story. Then we went around the, um, the halls and put QR codes so that, it was kind of a scavenger hunt, if you will, so people could learn new things about the sustainable practices of IMEX America, or excuse me, IMEX Frankfurt. So one of them was in the People and Planet Pledge uh, village. They had a pledge, so it was encouraging people to take the pledge, attending certain sessions. They get bonus points. And so the, the part about the challenge was people would Get all these extra bonus points, they would walk, they'd get their steps in, they'd be counted for it. And then we had all these these amazing prizes that um, people gave to just encourage sustainable practices, right? And so it was really neat to watch people focus on themselves when they're at a big event and in their learning as well as their, their well-being. And so we had so many people just come in and um really say thank you for showcasing what IMAX Frankfurt was doing because they didn't really know. And um, they knew, but they didn't read it. And this is kind of a more practical application where they learned something new. Um, The other thing we did is there's a couple different ways to highlight different pieces within an event. And um, sustainability to us obviously is more about the UN SDGs, the 17 Sustainable Development Goals. And those aren't just about greening events. They're also about making the world a better place. And, um, you know, lim- uh, being good health and well-being, um, and then all the green experiences, but also no poverty, things like that. And um, a partnership for the, uh, the goals. Are, those are all some of the, the UN Sustainable Development Goals. And um, we, as part of the sustainability challenge, we put a... Um, uh, a button in there that people could learn about the ECPAT and uh, the traffic camp for human trafficking and the fight against human trafficking. And so people could learn about the fight against human trafficking in, in this experience. So they had the scavenger hunt experience, but they also had times when they had a brief moment that they could sit and learn about other things that relate to the UN Sustainable Development Goals. So it was really, really quite lovely.
0: So it sounds like you're you're kind of balancing that inspiring of people and showing them new things uh, with some practical items mm-hmm. etc and do yes. you find that i don't know if you do many events where you have the same audience but do you see kind of growth and people that weren't interested in in well-being and wellness maybe kind of getting more interested as as they use tools and things like that
1: yeah absolutely in fact um We went from IMAX Frankfurt to um, MPI, WEC, and we had a couple of people that were super interested in Frankfurt, but then they came in hot and competitive in in San Francisco, and they were super excited because they wanted to win some great prizes. We had some fabulous prizes in Frankfurt, but then we had even fabulous prizes in San Francisco. We had... Caesars Entertainment gave a weekend away at Caesars Palace and two weekends away at Paris. And then um, San Francisco Giants, they gave away weekends. One of them was going to the Def Leppard concert at Oracle Park. <laughs> you know, people were really competitive for that, but it was really some people dipping their toes in at. Uh, IMAX and then coming in and really wanting to be competitive in MPI. And I've seen that as we've done these at PCMA as well as IMAX America. So it's really about a partnership. And that's one of the things that I find really cool is we're coming in, making a stand. And then there's a lot of people like Caesars, Giants Entertainment, Frankfurt DMO, and many more organizations are saying, hey, can we support this? Because it's a more authentic way of of showing up in my opinion. Oh, hold on. Um, So we've created an experience. So if you hit certain um, uh, mile markers, not mile markers, that's not the right word, but step levels, then you're entered into a drawing for those major prizes. So it's not the top stepper. It's, you know, a lot of people feel exactly what you were saying, Miguel, and we want it to be more inclusive, and more um, balanced. And so if, if you hit a certain level, and if you, you know, there's prizes based on all of those different levels. So, um, and we get really good feedback every time we do this. So one of the I had somebody come up to me and say, hey, what if I'm in a wheelchair? This is a walking challenge. And we have a piece in there, that uh, a a tool in there that has the ability to convert um, minutes on a wheelchair um, to steps. So it's it's really kind of neat to see. And, And granted, that's not a perfect science, but we've tried to be really inclusive to make people feel welcome no matter what their abilities are.
0: Talking about inclusivity, um, do you also do this for virtual events or for online audiences,
1: Mm -hmm. how? Well, that's a good question. So I had a corporate client and it was my favorite one virtually, but we had several throughout the three years, two years that we've been doing all this. But my favorite one was, it was for their top performers and they had a a virtual event for uh, three days. And so we designed it so they could do things with their family while they're at home. And then they can post on social media and everybody saw it. And I mean, it was a global company. So it wasn't just, um, you know, North America or what have you. It was all over. But the, the challenge was when we did that is there were so many different levels of lockdown, right? So we had to design it so that people who were completely locked down were not um, feeling left out. So we designed things that could, they could do in a smaller environment, not necessarily getting out and walking for three miles or what have you. So it was really kind of interesting. We created a, a part of the app that can convert your Peloton um, time into steps. So there's you know different ways of doing it, but what I found about that one was the comp- competition was so fun because, and it was a, a tech company and these guys are really competitive, right? And so <laughs> they um, they were so serious. <laughs> it was really fun. <laughs> but we also did I did a, a workshop with them, a virtual workshop um, about how that how to do this, and they had teams, so we created a team aspect for it, and so different divisions were keeping. Um, competing against each other but the ultimate prize in this experience was the team that won got to donate $10,000 to a charity of choice on behalf of the company so the thing that I find most fascinating is when there's a charitable piece watch out people are just very competitive (laughs) which I think is awesome
0: that's great and if it's a, a hybrid type of experience then there's no reason why this won't work for both audiences right
1: no, in fact, at MPI, we had a hybrid experience for WEC and the top stepper, we did a challenge for the, um, the chapters as well as the individuals. And the top, the people that won the chapter challenge and the top stepper was a virtual attendee. Okay. So she would check in with us every day and she'd be like, hey, I'm so sore from doing all this, but thank you, it's kickstarted me. And I mean, it was really quite neat. Because it gave her the opportunity to connect with MPI in a way that she didn't. Um, she was at home, right? I mean, she was just listening to things, but she was this is a, a active way of participation.
0: Very interesting. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, great projects, and thank you for sharing them with us. I think they're a really nice way to kind of look at this at this particular topic. I wanted to go back to that idea. Of- you know, well being and wellness being a design principle. And and I wanted to kind of pick your brain about what does it mean when you when you really get to design an event with well being as a core design principle? and uh-huh. And I guess, take it from the perspective, if you don't mind of what makes an event go from good to great? You know, how does using this design principle make that event, you know, be a great event rather than just a good event?
1: Sure. That's a great question. And I think, you know, we all want amazing feedback, right? And when people have good, great personal experiences, feel cared for, feel valued, feel um, important, then they're going to make it a great, they're going to feel like it's a great experience. So um, we've done this at our own events and some client events. Obviously, it, it's it's when that a individual feels cared for, communicated with, feels informed, feels vested, and feels like they're contributing, then they're they're really gonna come away with a great experience. Um, Even little things. I mean, I know this is um, just the the downtime and it feels like people aren't programmed 24/7, whether attending event, it's a value that we're expressing to the, those people that their time means something, and that we don't need to fill every single hour, and that there's so much beauty in the serendipitous connections that you make when you're at an event. And a lot of times, yes, when you're in education session or you're, you know, walking to and from general sessions, but just giving those we had our next stand event last summer and we're going to have it again this year, giving those times where you're just having downtime. I have a great picture of people eating breakfast and there's the, um, the people in the front are in business, business casual attire and the people in the back of the picture are in workout gear. And they just have went and did a walking or a running club, I think is what those gals had done. And so it was just giving them time for people to show up, how they are and not be so um, stringent if that makes sense. And really giving people time to enjoy it. Whereas I know for me, if I'm going to an event and there's not, you know, every night is not programmed, I'm not complaining. <laughs> and so um, now you have to balance the business side of it. I get yeah,
0: it. I, I was gonna say also, I mean, We've been talking about this for a while, how, especially after the COVID pandemic, people really want some more free time and, and can, you know, you know, are actively uh, seeking that for an events, or at least expecting that. Are you seeing this in practice and, yes. and really, yes. Okay, good, 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 good to hear. Mm-hmm. But um, so my feeling is that people will see the breaks of the schedule, and then go and pack in some calls back to the office or do some emails or, or do some other stuff. And are they then not getting the benefits from actually having a break that was kind of designed for them? I mean, I guess you have to give them the choice, right? But I feel like that mm-hmm. seems to be the sort of go-to feature. Hey, I've got a break in the schedule. I'm going to pack this in with as much, you know, regular work as I can.
1: It's all about choice, Miguel. You know, you can't control people. You can't tell them what to do and what not to do. You can suggest um, that this is a time for you. Um, I think the one that I've seen the most make a difference of any technique is starting later. And, and people starting not at six o'clock in the morning, right, with something. And I think that that people value that quite a bit. And, Granted, if you're on the West Coast, it's harder to do for the East Coast people, but you got to just be mindful of how you design that and what that is intended for. So um, as the organizer, you can't control people. You can make suggestions, but you're not going to control them. If that's what they need to do, then that's what they need to do. But, you know, packing in Times where they have a place to decompress, a a lounge where they can go and sit and just be quiet, where they can, you know, a communal table so people have time to go and just answer those emails. I mean, we all take our computer wherever we go nowadays, right? And so just giving them time. It's the gift of time, in my opinion. And quite honestly, when we're home and we're working, we're working our eight to nine, whatever hours you you put in, um, you're not going out to dinner every night. Right. And, um, so if you're at an event for three or four nights, I get the value of going to dinner with people and all that kind of stuff, but it's, and it's building the relationships, which our industry is so good at, but it's just being able to balance it all and giving people the flexibility to balance it.
0: Yeah. It's all about, creating those design or designing things in a way where you're actually giving people choice. And, and to be fair, you know, when you, when you go into a keynote session, the amount of people that pull out their phones and check their emails, they're going to do it anyway, in some sense. So it's probably better to at least give them some time to do it. um, Exactly. Yeah. When they can focus.
1: Exactly. And even breakout sessions too, right? Do you think people might be on their computers taking notes while they're probably doing work (laughs) which is okay (laughs) right it's okay and that's part of the design of breakouts right give people that flexibility to move whereas i remember we would get a planner i'd be like why are you leaving a breakout you know (laughs) a long time ago but now we don't look at it that way so it's just it's a it's a much more um inclusive flexible environment that we need to create
0: Absolutely. So, thinking ahead to kind of the future of events, uh, you know, if we look five, 10 years ahead, um, if things go well, if things go as you would like them to go um, and evolve in, in a positive way, how do you think events are going to change?
1: It's a really good question. And I think people are going to really evaluate their decision to attend. And if it's designed properly, with flexibility, with choice, then I think the event will be successful. I think that um, there are so many events and so many, you know, I mean, think about our industry and how many industry events we can go to. I'm sure we're not the only industry like that. In fact, I know that. But um, it's going to have to be designed well, thought through, and the same old, same old is not going to work in my opinion so it has to be an innovative collaborative environment that people feel like they grow and um in my opinion I think that there are you know some dinosaurs out there that if they don't change that they're gonna have to they might go away um, and I don't you know I can't think of I can think of a couple off the top of my head but at the same time it's it's we as event professionals need to take the design super seriously, because that's going to make our mark and make or break us, in my opinion.
0: Very interesting. Um, You know, feel free to call them out if you want to, but I I, (laughs) know that you you didn't, so I won't uh, (laughs) won't insist. Um, But so what do you think could prevent us from getting there? You know, what are the challenges that might get in the way of us getting to this, you know, ideal situation where where events are designed in this way
1: um and and we didn't even go down this path Miguel in this conversation is um sustainability and the um sustainable practices of our event uh, of our industry um I lead the with a couple of different people including Steve O'Malley and Ben Gutever and with our within our company and Amy Kramer our sustainability of our company as well as our client events and so we have Um, really been zeroing in on that for the last several or last year or so and how we're designing events, how we're as an industry showing up. um, At COP26, we had the net zero carbon events team um, make a commitment to the world leaders on how we're going to show up. And if we don't start designing with sustainability in mind and, and, and reducing our waste, reducing our carbon footprint, it is my belief that and it's just Rachel's opinion um, that we could get regulated, and that could really, really be a problem if we're being told that there's no carpet at a trade show. There's no, you know, various different things that, depending on. I just, I just think we are on the cusp of being watched very closely, um, and I think we have a huge opportunity. And I've done a lot of studying on this and, and exposure to it, the fashion industry. They relied on their consumers to, do, to choose sustainable choices when it came to clothing, and it did not go very well. And it's just years in the past. Whereas we have the opportunity, if we design with sustainability in mind, then we can lessen our impact. Whereas if we rely on the attendee to do that uh, sustainable practice, It might not get there, but if we design it with sustainability in mind and require the attendee to do it, then then we have the business to business ability to make an impact versus business to consumer ability to make an impact. So I think that um, if we don't follow some of the um, standards of practice, measuring your carbon footprint, designing with sustainability in mind, which is part of well-being, it's environmental well-being then we're going to have some significant ramifications in my opinion
0: fascinating a lot of food for thought there and I, I really like how you connect well-being and sustainability uh so well which of course you know very connected but uh, not oh, always yeah. not always talked about in the same sentence so i think it's it's interesting to connect those uh, very closely
1: yes and one of the things that was so funny um somebody said to me once they're like You know, I can understand the five dimensions really easily and I can remember those, but I can't remember this UN Sustainable Development Goals. So I sat down because they are so aligned because SDG number three is good health, promoting good health and well-being, right? I mean, it's just, it's an SDG. Um, So I sat down and mapped the UN SDGs to the five dimensions and it matches perfectly. So in my little spreadsheet or my PowerPoint, If you lean into the five dimensions, you're leaning into the UNSDGs. It's really easy to go from left to right. but Going right to left, leaning into the 17 Sustainable Development Goals, you're leaning into the five dimensions. It's super hard. People are like, I don't know, I'm so overwhelmed. But if you look at those five dimensions, you think, hey, I am leaning into these UNSDGs. And we do a scorecard for people showing how they lean into the UNSDGs through the five-dimensional well-being. It's pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I, th- I can totally relate to that. I think, uh, you know, we, we've been running stories on sustainability. And now, for example, the um, scope three, mm-hmm. um, you know, um, it has been updated the, uh, the the kind of the way that they're tracking scope three, and yeah. we did an article about that. And I looked into it and kind of unpacking what that means mm-hmm. is not necessarily an easy thing. If you're in that space, if you talk about scope three and then the the kind of rules around it it, it, it comes very naturally, but it's not a language that we're using yet or that most no. of us use yet. So I think it's important to unpack that and make sure we kind of understand the impacts of, of those changes.
1: Yeah. And we have a couple of different partners that we work with to help us measure. And then we give design recommendations around how to improve and lower your emissions at an event. And I love what I do. This is the most fascinating yet the most challenging piece of 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 all of what I do is because it's so foreign and the vernacular is not something that comes like this to us because it's just it's new but we're not the only industry that's saying that right it's um every industry is out there going what what are we doing <laughs> you know I mean there's some really um I mean we're being handed down what we have to do and how we have to account for it and so it's just been really a Fascinating learning experience, but when you ask my daughter about yeah. it, she knows all of it. <laughs> <It's> quite
0: funny. <laughs> well, that's reassuring. I think that's mm-hmm. good, and then at the same time, I think it's a big challenge. But we have a great opportunity to make a big difference, right? If we can mm-hmm. actually affect those those kind of uh, emissions and everything connected to that, then, uh, then we are doing to. a good job.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Rachel, we've 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 covered a lot of ground here very very quickly. It's flown by. I want to thank you for for being on the podcast with us. I want to wrap up by asking you the question we ask all our guests, uh, which is to recommend someone else that should be a guest on the podcast. Of course, this could be anybody from the same company, from another company, from an association, anybody you know that maybe could continue this conversation or lead us in a different direction that you would recommend.
1: Well. I have two. One is internal, and one is external. So um, Amy Kramer, who's our head of innovation, um, she's absolutely the reason why I am here because she has this innovation process that when you come with an idea and you flush it out, it's 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 spectacular. So she's with Merit Global Events. And then I'm not sure if this person has been on your podcast, but Tracy Supra from Eating at a Meeting. She's fabulous. She totally gets the um, uh, UNSDGs well-being, but she really talks about eating at a meeting and making it worth people's while and not just giving them sugar <laughs> and mm-hmm. so and allergies. And she's really great and a lovely lady. So both of those are my recommendations.
0: Perfect. We appreciate the recommendations. We'll ask you for uh, some topics to cover with Dub as well uh, privately so we can, we can make sure to get a head start on, on both of sure. our podcasts. Rachel, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for being with, with us today uh, and uh, thank you for what you do. Um, it's, uh, it's great to see people leading these, these types of areas of the industry.
1: It's been my pleasure and thank you so much, Miguel. It's, it's just an honor.